to help support this podcast and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash universe box. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. outside. Hey, this is Bill Meek's Word to the Wise. This special is filthy. It's absolutely naughty. And if you're a fan of Mr. Show, you're okay with that. If you're not, we're going to be releasing a lot more specials on this feed in the future. So just, you know, don't listen to this one and come back in a couple weeks and we'll have a special that's more geared towards you. But again, this is very filthy. Don't listen to it with kids around. But if you're a fan of Mr. Show, it's going to be right up your alley. Do Do not not adjust adjust your your computer computer screen. screen. It's It's your your mind we're changing. Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe Box. This ain't no show, mister. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Meeks and Bobby Hawk. <sighs> <sighs> we're here. We're back again talking about... Uh, I. Well, now we're not talking Mr. Show like we were two nights ago. Tonight we're talking about the new Netflix series uh, with Bob and David, a revival of the cult classic comedy Mr. Show. I, I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Bobby Hawk. And, and this will be fun. This will be a, a good time. We're going to be dissecting all four episodes here in detail. Uh, we're over live over at live.universebox.com where you can join and chat if you want to. And we're also uh, streaming live on Alpha Geek Radio. Hi there, Alpha Geekers. Uh, if you're there, uh, go ahead. Feel free to tweet me at Bill Meeks. Let me know. Or just hop over into the chat at live.universebox.com. And I think Alpha Geek uh, is running it too if, you, if you're on the website. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, super excited. Uh, I guess we should go ahead and just give a general sense, Bobby. Uh, what did you think of the episodes, the new show overall? Uh, for the most part, I I definitely loved it. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I mean, my expectations were high and I feel for the most part they were met. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, me too. I like I, I mean, we're, we're going to get into it in great detail here. Great detail. But suffice it to say, uh, I, I'm in love with this and I wish it w- I just my one complaint is I wish it was more than four episodes. You know what? I kind of <clears throat> excuse me, kind of cracked there for, for a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had the same thought at first, but but thinking upon it or thinking about it again after watching it for a second time after the live tweet. I I feel like it being less made it like they were able to condense it more. It's almost like mm-hmm. a condensed version of their old show. Like I can't with the exception of maybe one or two things, I I can't think of anything from this run that like I just wasn't a fan of. Oh yeah, definitely. And I I'm sure yeah, definitely probably in did you watch the uh, behind the scenes documentary at all? I I did. I did. Yeah, it probably, if nothing else, it gave them uh, more leeway to kind of concentrate and hyper-focus on making it the best it could possibly be. I feel concentrated is actually the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me, is it's just the concentrated, like they were able to, to uh, get out all of the bad, you know, just condense it all into the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that behind-the-scenes documentary was great, too, because you, you literally... You sat there and you watched them write the sketches. Like my favorite one was probably when it was just a uh, oh uh, Bob and Dino kind mm-hmm. of, kind of writing the script for the Einstein sketch uh, yes, from I yes. think episode mm-hmm. three. Amazing stuff. A, a really good look into the process because I mean uh, we've gotten a good sense of kind of how the process was from you know different DVD commentaries they've done and mm-hmm. the Mister Show book and everything, but to see it kind of act out there on screen and just see them live 
writing the things. I, it, amazing stuff. It felt very much like um, oh, Seven Days to Air, I believe, was the the name of the South. Oh, the Park. South Park one that they right. did. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then and then there was also uh, a documentary. I I forget which episode it was, but uh, of uh, Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Where they pretty much did the same thing. They took like a week of you know uh, a week of whoever I forgot who was the host that week, but they had someone documenting it behind the scenes, and it felt very much the same type of feel you're you're describing. You know, very much like just a fly on the wall in the writers' room. Yeah, not not a fly on the plate like in that salesman. Yeah, that, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had about as much problem as with that as you had with the eye thing. But we'll oh. get into that later. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so I, I guess we'll go ahead and, you know, start at the beginning. And if you watch the YouTube version of this, I did a weird, even trippier version of the animated titles to open this up with. But, yeah, the animated titles, they were pretty weird, man. They were pretty weird. Uh, but I, I'm trying to remember the name of the artist uh, who who did them. I'll, I'll dig it up when you're talking, Bobby. But I, I loved all the uh, callbacks and call forwards uh, of the characters uh, th- throughout all of the episodes in this title sequence. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, they dressed Bob and David up in a bunch of weird costumes and then did right. this weird trippy thing with them. And uh, no, by the uh, the end of my second watch through of all the episodes, I was like, Wait a second. No, uh, these are all characters that I know and love now. They, these are all classic characters now. Yes, I uh, I pretty much knew that's probably going to ha- how it was going to play out was that they were going to be characters. But like like you said, I don't think any of the people in the animated thing were even anyone from the first episode. Yeah, I don't I, I don't recall seeing maybe maybe the David Teeth uh, one was one maybe. Uh, or we, we could, when he was the teeth of Bob's mouth. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. I don't know. It just wasn't, like you said, it wasn't even until the second episode that you watched it through that you finally realized, oh, you know, that that's that character. That's that character. You know, mm-hmm. um, you didn't like the from the I, even after the first episode when the, you know, the second episode aired and the, the title started running, you were still like, who the hell are the, all these people? Exactly. And I, I, di- I did just dig up. Uh, well, I also messed something up there, but I, I did dig up uh, the the animator who did 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 it. It's a guy named uh, Syriac uh, from mm-hmm. Britain. Uh, I, I'm gonna just play like a little clip of one of his his uh, animations here. Yeah, and it's just like really weird, kind of trippy After Effects animation, and it, it works so well for it. Like it's nothing. If you ask me, what would be a good title sequence for the new Mister Show? I mm-hmm. wouldn't say this, but yeah, it totally feels totally feels just like you know the old. Uh, it, it feels like. The 2015 version of the weird, like, squiggly little animated, uh, you know, intro for Mr. Show. Like, this is the kind of thing that... culturally mm-hmm. uh it is the same as that squiggly little bit of animation thing like you know because that squiggly animation from the original mr show always reminded me of uh like nicktoons animation of the time you know okay. kind of like that alternative animation this is the new alternative animation or at least at least that's what i think i'm probably wrong though uh do you know if he's done any other opening you know like what where uh more of this work, you know, uh, God, I can't even talk. Well, he, Syriac's work. Yeah, he does have a whole uh, YouTube channel, which I'll have in the show notes over at universebox.com for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he has a whole YouTube channel full of it. He's done stuff for uh, YouTube's Geek Week and some music videos. And there, there's a ton of content up there. So, I mean, he, he's probably – I'd assume – 
I think I read somewhere that uh, Tim and Eric, uh, who who helped produce this, because uh, Bob kind of discovered them, Bob Odenkirk kind of discovered mm-hmm. them, and they returned the favor by working on the production side of this one. I, I think that they, uh, I, I think that they they brought him in, and he's worked with them before. I, yeah, there, it definitely feels like that. Yeah, I, and they, there's some other uh, stuff that happened, or that uh, in the in the episodes that felt kind of Tim and Eric esque that we'll talk about a little bit later. But I guess we should go ahead and get start at the beginning. Well, we started at the beginning with the animated titles. Now let's start talking about episode one. Uh, episode one, I don't think it was the strongest episode. It was a good good opener uh, for sure. Uh, definitely, I, I'd say next to the last episode, you know, that whole thematic thing that Mr. Show used to do, it probably felt the strongest uh, in that end. Uh, but one, a lot of these uh, points I've written down, I went ahead and decided to start with something I didn't like because I, I loved it so much that I didn't want to be like, oh, I love everything, you know. So I figured I'll start with some criticism, then get into the stuff I like. Uh, so uh, I thought that uh, Brian uh, Poshane, Poshin? Poshane. Uh, Posein, uh, yeah, the the big weird dude with the beard. I <laughs> felt like he was the only weak point throughout all the episodes. I didn't like his performance in, in either episode he was in because I think it was in two, but uh, especially this one in the court the uh, courtroom scene, it just felt really off. It, it was it definitely felt the most uh, like the timing was off in that whole sketch or something, you know. And he was a uh, a little yelly and nonsensical, and it seemed like it was just for the sake of it. And I mean, that's always been his shtick, but I don't think it plays as well now that he's you know a forty year old dude. Like when he was you know like a mid twenties alterna guy, the weird tall weird guy. It, it it made a lot of sense that in it, it might be a situation where uh this it, it it feels kind of hack now that that kind of comedy and it, i don't know there was just something about that sketch that felt off to me timing wise you know what i mean uh i mean i i know what you mean but i i got to disagree that was actually i thought that was a great uh great skit honestly mm-hmm. So, well, you know, I, I, I like the point of his character, uh, this guy, uh, you know, and it was just a takeoff of, uh, you know, a court show mm-hmm. where, where you know, his character is trying to make himself seem like the victim at all costs, even though it's very obvious that it, it, it was his own damn fault <laughs> that he wanted right, into exactly. that ring. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I really dug that, but it was just something about his, his, the way he character or the way he performed it that it just felt a little off to me, although I also loved i forget the character's name but david cross's judge character like his floppy um, gavel sandy sandy whistleton sandy whistleton <laughs> exactly the, uh, the, the some nonsense judge instead yeah. of george jackson george george jackson the no nonsense judge yeah but i i just love how it, like his gavel would just like flop everywhere and it fell off the bench and everything oh although i will say that i w- I, I think i would have preferred an entire sketch based around the all nonsense judge that comes in at the end yeah that was pretty funny yeah yeah a- a- any other thoughts on that that sketch uh before we move on to yours Your My, uh, the funniest part of the sketch to me was bob odenkirk with a neck tattoo trying to play <laughs> the uh um uh professional fighter yeah, yeah I, you the know, ufc fighter yeah, you just obviously do not see Bob Odenkirk as a professional fighter. Oh yeah, but he was in the suit at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. 
You you know, one thing that kind of got to me in all of these episodes was the fact that uh, Bob Odenkirk, for all of the interstitial stuff where they were just Bob and David on the stage in front of a live audience, he wasn't wearing a suit or a tie in any of them. And on Mr. Show, he was always like kind of the straight-laced one. Okay, I I recall what you're saying. Yeah, he was he was always dressed very straight-laced in either a suit or a suit and tie. Uh, or just a tie and a dress shirt or whatever. And then uh, David Cross was always like in shorts and a hoodie. Right, and Kind right. of alternative and everything. So it seemed kind mm-hmm. of weird for them to both be dressed kind of middle-aged casual. But uh, it, I can see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I, and, and, and that's definitely the roles they probably fit into back then, especially when you hear uh, them talk about like how they first met and uh, mm-hmm. the beginnings of their friendship and whatnot. Like you said, like David Cross was introduced to him as like just a young up-and-coming comic and, uh, you know, so, I mean, it definitely would have been Bill or Bob in a suit and Dave in shorts and a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, but times do change. Times do change. Mm-hmm. And they, they definitely looked a little older, uh, too. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I can't decide which one. <laughs> like, Bob Odenkirk's, of course, lost a bit of hair and whatnot. David mm-hmm. Cross has always been a little uh, less than full up top. Yeah. But, um, God, he's put on a bunch of weight. Yeah, he's definitely – well, actually, he's not as bad as he was a couple of years ago. And I mean I'm not saying he's bad. I can't really say anything because, you know – I mean no offense against yeah. David Cross. I'm a little – I'm not saying I'm <laughs> super thin myself. But, you know, just watching you know, watching that first skit, you know, the it was great, um, the, the time travel skit. Yes, yes. Uh, but definitely made me feel old. I felt like this episode <laughs> was almost like a bridge. Like you were saying how it – it felt the weakest of the of the bunch. I I kind of agree, although there were great skits in it. Mm-hmm. But it um it felt like they were trying to the, like use this episode to bridge Mister Show with Bob and David. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even the, that opening sketch with the with the time machine, the real time machine, uh, or the very opening skit when uh, Jill Talley says, "This ain't no show, Mister." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it de- it definitely felt like a kind of a yeah, definitely bridging that gap there and everything. But I, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the the first freelance pope, right? I just want a t shirt of Pope Tona Abramowitz with uh, <laughs> flipping up the bird saying, "Ride this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I mean, that's uh-huh. I, if if it, they don't make that, I will make it myself. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that he was just like he was basically a shill for whatever business he needed to shill for, you know, the, the oh, uh, Jewish deli or the uh, Larry, the cable guy. And dude, when he was playing the Larry, the you, you realize that was that Larry, the cable guy commercial, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, definitely. And it's just like he turns on a dime from just like I'm the pope. And then he's like, hey, good buddy. <laughs> you know? Right. I, and it's it's kind of interesting too because in on Mister Show he he never really played too many Southern characters like David Cross always handled the Southern characters, but uh, Bob just like he he went right into it though I love with it. the exception of maybe the senator oh yes uh, Tinkerbell or Tankerbell Tankerbell yeah I I actually have some stuff uh, discussing that character in relation to one of the new sketches here in a, a little bit later too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, the freelance Pope was fun, though. I really enjoyed it, too, just because I used to be a freelancer. 
And uh, so it, it, it was just a lot of a lot of fun for me to see kind of like a, that freelance lifestyle, you know, working from home, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I, I and I, it, it it was another thing that's like so common these days. There's so many people who do freelancing, but back when Mr. Show was on the air, they never would have done this sketch because freelancing really wasn't a big thing back then, you know, because the internet didn't exist back then. So it was harder for harder to do that. I didn't even think about it from that uh, mm-hmm. vantage point. Yeah, it, it probably, like I said, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that I spent like five years as a freelancer. So when I see freelancer, I'm like, oh, that's what I used to do back before I got a real job. Uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, so I, something else, I and this I think was, brilliant it's uh, so many times uh tonight i'm going to be saying this was my favorite sketch and then i'm going to cancel that out but the the better root sketch uh that they did uh right at the end i think it was the last one they did but i I just absolutely love this piece because one thing i was really concerned about is that you know uh all the all the actors all the writers are a lot older now and i thought it was going to feel safe i thought i thought it wasn't going to feel as kind of dangerous and out there and risque mm-hmm. and as the old show felt but the, uh this sketch which is basically uh, a a david cross's character he's a director and he's uh, started up this production company to make a new version of roots because he thought the original version of roots made white people look bad <laughs> you know which obviously you know back in the days of slavery yeah pretty bad right right uh, but you know i i thought it was really interesting and really daring that they did this and it felt risque and it felt dangerous and it felt like it was going to step on toes and it maybe if it wasn't them maybe it's safe because it is it's them doing it but if it was anybody else like this would have been the news cycle for three days people like going crazy about this sketch all sorts of controversy around it and everything and i thought it was really cool that they could still pull something like that off 20 years later as you know older folks but you like the sketch too uh yeah i mean you brought up a lot of great points i don't really know what much more to add than uh agreeing with you um <laughs> i <laughs> i love the the my favorite scene of that skit was probably uh the one where they were uh the payroll yes and he yes. was like you know there's a note in there for you <laughs> what does <laughs> that say <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i'm so glad you said yes <laughs> oh yeah and it was just the coupon for free hugs yeah oh, <laughs> i love yeah, um, I, I really love too how him and uh, oh, what's his name? Because uh, it, it Jay Johnston. Yeah, Jay Johnston. How they 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 really pulled off that kind of like antagonistic, just like I I, I don't even know how to just like overly villainous sort of historical doc or historical movie mm-hmm. character like you know leaning on him really hard and then they just like veer off right at the end and be like oh no lemonade breaks and all this oh, kind of yeah stuff. the the tone was perfect the mm-hmm. tone was spot on definitely i i also really love the kind of subtle joke that they had uh had running throughout the entire sketch that even if the subject matter bo- bothered you it, the joke would get you which it was the end how David Cross's director character had put a VN slide at the end of every clip. Right. And so uh, uh, Paget Brewster, I, I believe, was the yes. interviewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she would at the after every clip was played, she was like, "Oh, so that was the end of the movie." And he was like, "No, no, that's just the end of the clip. You're not getting it." <laughs> and, and then at the end, uh, they, or the last uh, clip they show, there's like. Uh, the end and then overlaid the end again and right. so, so it's like it was the end of the clip 
and the end of the movie. And I, th- I thought it just paid off in such a great way. Uh, you're, you're, uh, what, what do you know Paget Brewster from? Because I know on our live tweet you said you enjoyed her in the scene, but I, I, I think I've seen her on the the last season of Community. She was she was on there, but that's the only thing I knew her from. She was on the last season of Community. Um, mm-hmm. She played for a while on Criminal Minds, mm-hmm. but if but in the comedy world, she's uh, most notably probably from uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Oh, okay. With, with Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, her and Paul F. Tompkins play Frank and Sadie Doyle. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, I can't remember the name of the... It's like a Twilight Zone thing almost, and they play like two... A couple. It's I don't know. You'd have, have, are you familiar with Thrilling Adventure Hour? I, I listened to a few episodes, but then it like it, it got so plot heavy that I fell off and I never caught back up with it. Like because you know they had stuff going on between episodes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're basically a couple that play like a '40s detective couple mm-hmm. that like constantly have martini glasses in their hands and whatnot, <laughs> that type of deal. Nice. And um, yeah, they're just like paranormal investigators. Mm-hmm. But she's been on quite a few things. Uh, right now, she's on a show called Grandfathered with uh, John Stamos. Oh, nice, nice. I, I'm familiar with the show. I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah, but it's actually but not bad. I, I enjoyed her in this sketch. I enjoyed her in Community too. She, she's kind mm-hmm. of like a a consummate, and I, I don't mean this in a sexuality kind of way. I mean this in a comedy duo kind of way. She's like the consummate like straight woman. You know, like a straight man, straight. Oh, woman. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to be clear on that. <laughs> just to just to be clear. Uh, one thing about the Better Roots sketch uh, before we wrap up talking about it, I in the scene with the the defective whip. Uh, why was the helper tied up to begin with? Like. I, I don't understand what they thought, or I, I mean, obviously, it's a scene lost to uh, not being written or shown on the show. Right. But I, I kind of, I kind of wonder what the logic would have been. One for using the whip, and two for tying up the helper. That's it. Yeah, I, I can understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. Especially like mm-hmm. I don't know, to, just to, within the the world of the movie. You it, know that's what I mean? exactly what I was saying. The context of the movie, exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I was saying. What are you giving him a massage with the whip? <laughs> um, scratching his back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Why would you be doing that? That's a good point. Also, also, why why end the movie with the return of the defective whip? You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, su- such a great sketch there, and it, it it's the all of the uh, the interstitial stuff and the out of studio stuff had a really high production value too. Like uh, I, I thought that looked like it could. It looked like it had better production value than the original Roots movie, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, I mean, that's because you can have better production with an iPhone these days than the Roots movie did in the 70s. Very true. Very true. Very true. I, I, I loved how they, they had so many little uh, shots from the original Roots, too. Like that whipping shot, that was mm-hmm. that that was straight out of Roots. Like that Oh, was yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Ripped straight out of Roots. I, now, the framing device of this episode I, I rather enjoyed, too, because it, it starts with the sketch, like the sketch right after the open. Uh, it, well, actually, it really starts with the, that teaser uh, sketch you were talking about, but mm-hmm. uh, the New Year's resolution sketch, uh, it, it, it kind of uh, sets the stage right away because they're all very modern, uh, sort of uh, mature setups, you know, like uh, the Pope, uh, blockbuster films like Transformers, court shows a switch to a non-red meat diet, which a lot of guys our age are being switched to these days by their doctors mm-hmm. uh, for health reasons. You know, so it, it instantly draws you in. It makes you feel like it's the old show, but in the modern day. 
And I also really loved how they, they paid each one of the New Year's resolutions off throughout the episode. So it, and you know, it, the way they did that, it felt a little different than the old show, but not by much. Although that first transition from the time machine sketch mm-hmm. to, to the New Year's resolution sketch just felt off to me. It felt a little weak. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that I, I or realize I just had a thought that was there any cold opens in the original show in Mr. Show? I, I think I think they did cold opens, but usually they were just like little like five second things like this episode brought to you by Globochem, stuff like that. You, you know, you're right. It, mm-hmm. you, uh, you, you are right. But like this one, they used like every episode had like a little five second cold open or maybe a little longer, but, you know, brief cold open mm-hmm. where it would introduce a character out of context like in the i believe it was the last episode all you saw was a like a video of uh donnie cross playing Mm -hmm. with the sticks yeah yeah and And then people commenting on it a vertical video (laughs) yeah 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 like you would see on youtube or whatnot Mm mm-hmm yeah, but really good episode. Not my, not my favorite, uh, but but definitely uh, still super solid. Uh, any other thoughts on episode one before we move on, Bobby? Um, I just loved how like in the beginning of the episode, I was like, wait a second, you didn't mention the director, and like I uh, like you mentioned in the live tweet last night. I I you know oh I think they'll mention him later, and I should I should have doubted them because of course they're going to bring it up later. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just loved how like you said, I just loved how they were able to just tie it all together in the end. And like I said, I do feel like this was a, a junction between. Mm-hmm. Mr. Show and with Bob and David. Yeah, and I, I was definitely I, – I was very concerned too that they weren't going to – it wasn't going to have as much connective t- tissue between the sketch, sketches just because how – a lot of people like Scott Ackerman and Bob Odenkirk have been talking about how they felt foolish for doing that in the original series, but they still did it. They just it might not have been as tight in places, and it wasn't. I I, I think the the last the first episode and the last episode were definitely the strongest for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you, you know, it just wasn't quite as tight as the old show used to be with it, which was fine. I I still found it very entertaining. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Episode two. Uh, episode two was the first. Uh, I, I kind of felt like they were rehashing old motifs that they used to do on Mr. Show a little bit. I There were two that really stuck out to me, and they were both in the first five minutes of the episode. Uh, the first was uh, the whole thing with uh, uh, Tom Kenny, I think, I, and that the, him being the head of comedy for Netflix, coming in and telling them they can't say a picture of the Prophet Muhammad. Mm-hmm. I, it felt very much like Senator Tankerbell that you were talking about earlier to me, you know, from season one where he just barges in on them during their opening bit in front of the audience and tells them to stop doing what they're doing. It's indecent. You can't do it and everything. So that felt a little samey to me. But at the same time, I thought it played well. Uh, but and then the second one was right after that, they transitioned directly into like the ISIS movie executives. Right, uh, it, and it felt very much there was a, uh, I think it was epi- or season three. There was an episode where they had a like a prisoner reform program where they had prisoner mu- movie executive or prisoner executives kind of producing the show from inside prison, mm-hmm. and, and you know flashing to people or you know kind of a jihadist ISIS type people out on the front lines. You know, overseeing, you know, movie scripts, movie buys, TV shows, all that kind of stuff. It felt a little bit like that. But I, I did like how uh, they ha- they had the concept uh, that basically the way that was set up is that these extremists are trying to dictate what art can be. And that was a mm-hmm. kind of a theme that played out throughout the episode, too. And I, I really enjoyed that kind of 
message of it or that kind of idea of it. It was kind of like a criticize, maybe criticizing so, some artists like, uh, and I mean, obviously there are safety concerns and stuff, but artists like the South Park guys who have, who have had to like pull back on doing jokes about Mohammed and stuff because of this kind of concern or, or like the Charlie Hebdo uh, guys over in Paris from several months back, back when they were shooting this, I think that happened. I felt like if it, it, it commented even more so on like uh, the state of Hollywood, like how they're pr- having to produce uh, movies with or for China, even where they're having to like, oh yeah, definitely um, change villain roles and different things like that. And however, you know, mm-hmm. political correctness is just way too much. You know, uh, everything is just too uh, kind of almost like how you were saying before. Um, not only that they're older, but just that the way comedy is now that mm-hmm. like everyone, it feels like everyone is so afraid to say certain words or bring up certain themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, all of the sketches uh, throughout all of these episodes do a really good job of kind of addressing these kinds of issues that aren't necessarily safe issues anymore, but doing mm-hmm. it in such a way that you don't, I, I, at least I didn't feel coming. I didn't come away feeling that most people who would get offended by that sort of thing would get offended because they they kind of took it as like a a very honest look at the issues without Mm -hmm. without kind of trying to push their own agenda with it. It was just more like this is what it is. You know, it it wasn't this is bad or this is good. It was this is the situation and we're going to tell jokes around this situation without – really you know beating you over the head with our thoughts on it you know agreed agreed i i feel like the message was there but it wasn't like like you said beating a dead horse with it yeah i i I will say that i probably the one exception to that rule through and it was in this episode right at the end of this episode was the 72 virgins at the end they get for saying uh oh whatever that nonsense phrase was that was like a picture of the prophet um a pickmer of the uh, yeah I, the yeah proof I, movement or something yeah like that. yeah <laughs> so and then uh, they say it, right at the end they say that for the third time like Beetlejuice and the seventy two mm-hmm. virgins which are all a bunch of uh, kind of neckbeardy nerdy guys appear around them and I was in there asking all sorts of questions like breaking about Breaking Bad and Mr Show and Arrested mm-hmm. Development and I wonder if, if this is how they see their fans or if it's kind of like maybe a, a love letter to their fans almost or like I kind of like this happens to us but it's okay we understand you know <laughs> it felt very much like um just that part of it that you're talking about um first of all that's that's one of the things i loved about mr show and and now this show is how like from one moment to the next they can like step outside of their characters oh yeah and be their selves commenting on what's going on in the skit and then just seamlessly bleed back into the character again mm-hmm um, but other than that, what I was going to say is that the whole 70s, like you were saying, how they were portraying their fans felt a lot like there was an episode of SNL that uh, William Shatner hosted. Mm-hmm. And in the episode, there was a skit where he was uh, um, at a convention, like a, you know, like a sci-fi convention, Comic-Con type deal. And he like just went off on all the people. He's like, you know, it was a show 30 years ago. Get alive, people. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, and I, I also really loved, it. but they they didn't uh, shy away from kind of hitting themselves a couple times in that one too, like the chipmunks question uh, mm-hmm. to David Cross, I, that, exactly. And I mean, mm-hmm. he he's been very open about that in the press and stuff that. 
he 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 did the Chipmunks movies because it was a really good paycheck, and he wanted to get a house in uh, exactly. upper, upstate New York or whatever. You know, I have I've never had an issue with actors, uh, you know, like taking jobs for you know, like Michael Caine. People, you know, he, people ask him all the time, you know, why don't you ever say no to a movie? He's like, because I'm an actor. If someone hands, if someone asks me to be in a movie and I'm not doing anything, I'm going to be in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get, you, if if you're a gigger, you got a gig, man. Like if, yeah, if you, there's a gig there, you got to do it. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know when the next one's going to come around. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of people who don't have gigs anymore, I, the Birthday Boys did make a great cameo as those seventy-two or some of those seventy-two virgins in that sketch, and they appeared elsewhere throughout the series too. I have a question about that, and I kind of know. I mean, okay, this is kind of jumping around, but going mm-hmm. to that, um, I know we'll talk about the skit later, but. The the salesman skit, uh-huh. I believe in episode four, mm-hmm. was I believe the the Muslim husband in that was the heavyset guy from Birthday Boys that they just shaved his head and facial hair off. Was it? I think so. That's I could I could be wrong, but I was watching like he looked familiar. I'm looking at him and I'm like, is that I, like I don't know the the actor's name. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that would be think, really interesting if so, because I never, I didn't never even caught that. Like, uh, like I said, I was watching you know, on the second run through, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just mm-hmm. look similar. But I mean, it, 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 that's who it looked like to me. Yeah, that's very. That that was an interesting character too. And I know we're jumping around a little bit. I'm trying to think because I wrote down a summary of him. Uh, yeah, because he's a Muslim a mechanic who plays golf. He's a mechanic who plays golf, and he's starting a mosque. Like he, a very well-rounded fellow, that guy. I, I, I just thought it, thought it was interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I know they had uh, they had some appearances. Like they they were in the uh, the most dangerous game man sketch. Uh, they were in that one. They they were in a really great. Uh, they were in a really great great just like interstitial scene where they're walking down the street and yeah, it took us an hour to get mic'd up for this, but they didn't write any dialogue for us. I don't know. I guess we'll just keep walking and talking and everything. Yeah. Uh Very much tearing down that fourth wall, which is, and that's again, that's what I love about the show is that they, uh, when I was, I mean, I'm okay. I know we're talking about with Bob and David right now, Mm -hmm. but, uh, when I was watching Mr. Show again for our inner, you know, for the podcast we did the other day, Uh um, one of my favorite things are, moments from that show was when they were doing the one of the ronnie dobbs things Mm -hmm. um and like uh they're talking about the state of hollywood and whatnot and and he 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 like breaks character and starts going look at this bob i mean goddamn it would the hbo that we're supposed to be in a mansion and we got a couch and a little coffee table And then he just bleeds right back into Ronnie Dobbs. Mm-hmm. But again, just just breaking off of that for a moment. Um, you mentioned last night that you didn't think a lot of this was filmed. You know, it felt like there wasn't a lot of stage work, a lot of live work on this. Mm-hmm. I think there was that it's just that the production and the sets were so much better than they were before that it that you didn't realize. Yeah, it didn't register because, yeah, I, I noticed that when I went back through on my my rewatch today that, yeah, there was a lot more live stuff than I, I initially thought or like mm-hmm. absorbed, you know. So, so yeah, you, you were definitely right on that. There definitely a lot higher quality production value all the way around. Netflix uh, must have paid good money for this, you know. Well, it was four episodes instead of <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're, you're talking about two hours of content, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, like uh, and it was done by the same production company. But Comedy Bang Bang, like 
Comedy Bang Bang does like 50 episodes every two weeks or something like that. So That was done by the same production company as Comedy Bang Bang? Yeah, because it has the same tag on the end. Uh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's Bob Go- Odenkirk's production company. Is it? Is because, it? Because, uh, well, I know that's the same tag that uh, Tim and Eric has. Like oh, the is awesome, it? awesome show with Tim and Eric or whatever it's, you know, whatever it's called, that all has the same tag. Okay. So I, I think I could be wrong, but I think it's Bob Odenkirk's. Yeah, because I, I know the comedy Bang Bang show has has that one too. I always thought I, I always assumed it was a, an Earwolf thing for some reason, but I, obviously uh, these these comedians cross over into each other's shit all the time. So right. <laughs> okay, so let's see here. Uh, one thing, other thing I wanted to talk about in this episode is uh, Rooms the Musical, uh, which I, I thought I thought it was a very interesting sketch. I thought. It, the the premise sounds like a Pixar movie, uh, mm-hmm. you know these rooms trying to reunite a family who lives in that house or whatnot. Because you know Pixar movies are always a thing that shouldn't have emotions has emotions. Their emotions have emotions. This mm-hmm. house has emotions. I, I thought uh, again. I, I felt there it was a little bit of an awkward transition from the previous scene because you know they are having the dry cleaner sketch and then all of a sudden these characters are just writing a musical and how did that happen? You know it seemed to come out of nowhere a little bit. But I, I also thought it was interesting that uh, that Bob's character uh, came up with most of the ideas, but he wasn't. It, it, it was a thing that he wasn't on the stage when they were accepting the award. But, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed all of the uh, – I, I've always loved listening to David Cross riff lyrics over music. And he, he's a great singer anyway. I always loved to – anytime he got a chance to sing on the original show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was great to hear him singing this. Did, did you like this sketch, Bobby? Yeah, when it when it started bleeding into the them writing musicals and whatnot, it definitely felt like uh, Saving Mr. Banks – Oh, yeah, I could see that. Like the Sherman Brothers scenes from that. Exactly. And I think that's what they were going for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I enjoyed it, too. Like, if anything, I I would have liked one more sketch tagged on the end where we actually got to see some of Rooms the Musical. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Maybe a song or even like a commercial for Rooms the Musical or something Mm -hmm. like that. Then bleeding into the awards thing with the the weird Oscar guy and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, something I don't think we had in the notes here. This was the episode with the Einstein ton poster sketch, wasn't it? I believe so. I was actually looking at your at your notes, wondering where that was. But I do want to uh, correct myself uh, from a few minutes ago is that absolutely was actually a production company started in 2007 by Tim Heidecker and Eric Warham. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So it's Good Tim time. and Eric's production company. Nice. But I'm sure that uh, Bob Odenkirk has a lot to do with that, considering his uh, play in the birth of Tim and Eric. Yeah, basically, if you've never heard the story, they sent him a VHS tape with some sketches on it or something like that. Right. And, and mm-hmm. he was like, OK, uh, let, let's get you guys a show. But uh, OK, so the the, the Einstein uh, poster uh, sketch, you want to talk a little bit about that? I'll let you open up on that one. Um, I, I believe this was one of the things that they played heavily on in the behind the scenes thing. Thing. So it was. Um, I thought the skit was great to begin with. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa Raglan, who is on um, the podcast uh, Pop Culture, or no, that's um, Pop My Culture. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard that podcast. I have, I have. Um, but her and Cole Stratton, uh, who play a big, fe- uh, big, big part in uh, San Francisco Sketchfest, mm-hmm. and uh, she played like the flapper 
in that in that skit. Yeah, I believe on our live tweet you tagged her, and she wrote back saying thanks too. Oh, did she? Yeah. I didn't. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't. It, I don't know if that skit had a message really. No, it didn't. I think it was just kind of taking off on how Hollywood will take anyone's biography, pull out something very Hollywoody to build a film around. You know, kind of kind of like a. It, it was basically like a, a riff on. Oscar bait biopics, more or less. And okay, you, I could see that. I and could it see that. kind of reduces because uh, it takes you know one of the most brilliant minds of our time, Einstein, and reduces and reduce- him to to this stupid college or poster you see uh, in like frat houses. You know, with you him. know, yeah. And now that you mention all of that, that really, yeah. But um, <laughs> I loved when he was running around like with his just his tongue stuck out trying to find the flapper girl. Uh-huh, uh huh. And then that was the one that bled into because he didn't thank the flapper girl, right? That's what bled into the awards show. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, I, I know uh, that's where a uh, weird Oscar reporter guy came from because that's where it got thrown to. It threw to uh, the trailer for the Einstein <laughs> poster movie. But yeah, a re- really good sketch. And I, 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 the thing I liked the most about it was that you you knew as soon as she sticks her tongue out, you're like, oh, okay, I know what they're going for here. I know what this movie is going to be about. It, you know it, what? Quite honestly, I didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe. I didn't see that coming at all, honestly. Maybe you had a better class of friend friend than I did, because I saw that. I've seen that poster like a zillion times. So the second I saw the tons sticking out, I was like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing. But I was okay with it at the same time. Like, I I knew where they were going, but I loved the ride because it was so ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. And why was she a flapper? Because it was way past the time of the flapper. Yeah, in the 50s. She even says, uh, my friend stopped doing this 20 years ago. Okay, so I guess uh, anything else on episode two? I think we, I think we got a good swath of it there. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, unfortunately, the second and third episode, I really didn't do get, I didn't get a chance to watch mm-hmm. through a second time. Yeah. But uh, oh, you know, one thing I will say about this episode before we move on is what's uh, that? I noticed that Bob and David, especially in this episode, they were really smiley. You could tell they were in all of, all of the live. Uh, portions of it, the in front of a studio audience portions mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. they were really smiley, like almost breaking character smiley sometimes. And that's what, uh, especially you get the vibe of that in the behind the scenes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the fifth episode. And that's what's, what really leads me to believe and hope that there will be more of this. Because it definitely feels like it's something that they enjoy doing and want to do. Oh, yeah. They just seem so excited to be doing this stuff again, you know, doing live sketch in front of an audience. And Mm -hmm. you you could just see the joy in their eyes the entire time. So, and, and, you know, that translates uh, to uh, the audience enjoying the the show, too. So, Mm -hmm. and uh, enjoy we did. Um, uh, Next up, we're going to talk about episode three, which was a lot of fun. Uh, as somebody who uh, I, I'm really dug deep in technology because I do a lot of tech stuff for my job and work, and I also used to be really tapped into the tech scene or at mm-hmm. least like the tech tech journalism scene for years uh, through like the Twit Network and things like that. I absolutely loved uh, the 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 opening and kind of goes throughout the whole episode the the Digital Man uh, mm-hmm. TechCon parody. Uh, from Bob Odenkirk saying all the nonsense things like the ears they can hear for you and, you know, all these funny, just like nonsensical. Tech Digital. Products. 
Digital. Digital. Yes, exactly. They, they really just nail uh, the nonsensical nature <laughs> of uh, modern tech stuff. That by the time you get to the third guy, it's like, I don't even know what I'm saying up there. I just go up there and say digital every now and then, and people eat it up. And they, yeah, it, it, it's it's great, too. Have you ever known uh, somebody who uh, actually reminded me of a guy who used to work construction and had a bad accident and talked really funny afterwards? Like, I've actually <laughs> known someone who had that exact situation after. I also love that he had, like, the penciled or sharpied on beard. Right, and the wig that wasn't quite on right, just mm-hmm. a bit askew. Yeah, yeah, I loved it, and I, I also loved that uh, that Shangy, I think his name was. Uh, he he learned everything he knew about tech from marketing materials that his dad mm-hmm. would bring home. I, that almost felt like a slight <clears throat> dig at Apple. That you know, it's all it's all style and no substance behind the the technology stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know the the ending. And this is something that I thought felt very Tim and Eric too. The ending where it's like uh, Shaney three is banging Shaney two's wife, and then Shaney one's in the closet, and he, mm-hmm. he just he's just like digital and flies out the window, <laughs> and then like flies through the balloon and everything. That mm-hmm. felt straight out of uh, Tim and Eric uh, awesome show. Like, I could see that. I believe it was Flo from the Progressive Insurance commercials that was playing Shangy's wife. Really? I didn't even yeah. catch that. That, that, that. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that now because that's funny. If so, because I didn't think she needed to work. In, I, I thought she made just like boatloads of money on the on those Progressive commercials. I'm sure she does, but she's a uh, uh, improv comedian. I don't know her name, but I've seen her in quite a few things. Ah, and so nice. I'm sure that she's a friend of someone on the production, and then. I mean, there's plenty of roles like Paget Brewster, Vanessa Raglan. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know the name of the actress, but Flo from Progressive uh-huh. that um, I'm sure wanted to come in even for just a few hours. You know, who wouldn't want to work on this production? Yeah, another one that got a couple, cu- couple of different roles uh, throughout the episodes was a uh, what's the name? Scott Addison from Thirty Rock. Uh, Scott Adsit. Adsit. Uh, yeah, but uh, he he was in it a couple times. Uh, off air, uh, remind me. I have a funny story to tell you about him from dragon con one time he kind of a jerk well he was on uh mr show as well was he on mr show yeah he didn't play as big of a role as um a lot of people but uh he was he definitely played a few roles in the in the you know in mr show See, now I'm Googling it. This is uh, where we Google stuff just because uh, I, I'm kind of interested to see if I if I remember him. Did he have hair then, maybe? No, no. He was just younger, less hair. I mean, he might have had a little more hair than he does now, mm-hmm. but he didn't have a lot of hair, no. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, cursory search is not bringing, bringing up any specific images of characters he played. I was hoping it would. But oh wait, I guess he was in the story of Everest, maybe. maybe. Possibly, I can't. I, I can't think of any skits offhand. I just know for certain I definitely saw him in there. Yeah, i have seen a few, uh, but I'd, I'd have to watch the skit to really remember his character again. But mm-hmm. yeah, again, it, it was so great just seeing so many new and old faces uh, throughout the episodes. I, I, I really love that. Um, also, you had a point about Shaney too that I thought was funny. Uh, oh, as soon as I, as soon as they mentioned like Shaney number two. Mm-hmm. I, I I went. I was, my mind went directly to Gallagher, and so when Shangy Number Three just like mm-hmm. brought out the watermelons and told everyone to fold up their plastic sheets, I started laughing out loud. Yeah, because Gallagher did that right. He had his brother go around the country as Gallagher too, right? 
actually, actually, what happened is his brother started doing it. He, I think, I think his bro- he he might have started having his brother doing it, but then eventually he ended up suing his brother mm. for like you know harn- uh, coming in on his act. Yeah, because I guess eventually his brother was doing it, but without you know his you know he was just doing it on his own, but just <laughs> he, just doing the same act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, that's Gallagher's an asshole. <laughs> from, from what I've heard, I've never met the man. Oh, but. I remember. I, I heard the uh, WTF with Mark Marin interview with him, and he just like gets up and walks out halfway through the interview or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Total jerk. And it's it sucks because like when I was I've always been heavily into stand up and sketch, uh, even when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And so I watched a lot of Gallagher when I was younger. And there's so many things. Um, even though he's silly and just smashing melons. There's quite a few things in his act that uh, are very smart. Like, uh, like he has a bit on um, on language, mm-hmm. uh, n- and not like like uh, blue language, just language in general. Like uh, the different spellings and homophones and some of you know, just you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like uh, the same kind of stuff George Carlin used to do. Yeah, and, and he was also kind of uh, very political. You know, mm-hmm. could be very political. Well, but anyway, I, I've like heard I that said, about him in modern day, especially. He's like super political now, like political and a little bit racist. <laughs> yeah, to to it. Yeah, yeah. Now he's gone off the deep end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. but anyway. Okay, speaking of racism, let's move on to the next sketch, uh, which was the uh, Know Your Rights sketch, uh, uh, the, where David Cross plays one of those YouTube guys you see all the time who records every encounter he has with a police officer and everything. I, I Again, maybe one of the strongest pieces uh, from all the episodes, and this was one of the preview clips they released, too, that got me super pumped. Okay, I think this is going to be okay about it. And I'll, I'll just say a couple of my favorite parts, then I'll throw it to you. Uh, I, I really loved the GoPro on the steering wheel where they were cut to the GoPro and it was just spinning around. And like, mm-hmm. I, what kind of shot is that? Like that, that's not an informative telling the story kind of shot at all. Mm-hmm. And I also really loved that he used blackface to try and get the black officer to beat him up. Just just the irony of that mm-hmm. whole thing. I also right. love that they referenced uh, in the digital scene right up front. They referenced uh, white man blackface was one of the things he, when he was saying this thing, that thing, digital, this thing, that thing, digital. One of them was white man blackface digital. And then they have David Cross and blackface later on. I, in the episode. I didn't even catch that. Oh, yeah. It, a lot of fun. But what, what did you think of this uh, Know Your Rights sketch? Um, how you mentioned about them using blackface to get the black or to try to get the black officer to beat him up. The black officer didn't touch him. Yeah. Yeah. It was the white officer that came in. And, and <laughs> here, let me wash that off your face for you. <laughs> See, I, I was kind of conflicted about that because on one hand, I was like, are they saying that the white officer, as soon as he saw the, the, the blackface guy, he beat him up because police are racist? Or was it more of a situation where when David Cross's character pulls up with the with the blackface on the black officer, he's like, okay, I'm done being a nice guy and I'm going to throw you to my, my jerk partner who beats everybody up just because he beats everybody up. Well, but, I don't think it was that he thought the guy was black because the mm-hmm. first – because as soon as he walks up, he says, is this the, is this the prick you – that keeps giving you a hard time. Oh, okay. Okay. So he already knew exactly who the guy was. Yeah, that's how I read the situation. 
I just I hadn't talked to anyone about it, so I wanted to make sure I was reading that right mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, was that was that key or was that Peel from Key and Peel? Because the thing is with Key and Peel, like with Bob and David, they they introduce themselves as themselves a lot. I only know mm-hmm. Key and Peel Peel from YouTube clips and Fargo, where they're never referred to as Key or Peel. Peel. So I don't know if that was Key or Peel. That was Keegan Michael Key. Oh yeah, but he he was great. He was definitely great. And I I, I read some stuff uh, in in the lead up to this show that uh i guess they they took a lot of inspiration for for their stuff from bob and david oh that that better that better root skit mm-hmm. could have definitely been a uh uh oh god now i'm blanking a uh, peel a uh, key and peel skit mm-hmm Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. They do a lot of stuff with a lot of fun stuff with movies too. Uh, have you ever seen the one they did where it's uh, how how they pitch uh, the pitch meeting for Gremlins Two? No, uh, that's a key, uh, key and peel skit. Yeah, that's a key and peel skit. I, I highly recommend you go Google it. it. It feels very much like a Mr. Show sketch, just because it's so ridiculous. And then at the end, because uh, it's basically these guys sitting around a table and. Uh, they're they're trying to pitch like a reasonable sequel to gremlins and then this guy from the studio comes in and he's like no we're gonna have the gremlins can talk now and one's like can smoke cigars and this that and the other and all it just ramps up in the crazy like mr show sketches do and to where you're like holy crap i can't believe they're doing this i wonder what what's the point of this sketch and then a slide comes comes up at the end Everything, every idea mentioned was actually in Gremlins too. <laughs> like, so there's uh, there's another skit that feels like a Mr. Show skit of Key and Peels where they're playing two uh, magical Afro uh, magical Negro like janitors mm-hmm. that like end up like fighting a cosmic battle at the end of the skit. Oh, that's fun. That's why you kind of like the the magical Negro archetype. Kind of exactly yeah, yeah. exactly they they end up like coming across each other and they end up like fighting if you check out the skit on youtube if you have to you know i don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it they, well, I, I don't care about ruining skits for people which is why i told <clears> them <throat> the entirety of the gremlins 2 skit <laughs> okay so let's ru- let's ruin another skit uh I, okay and if you guys haven't guessed it by now. We're matching the language of the show. Uh, usually we're pretty decent on this YouTube channel slash podcast feed. But we're about to use a word right now that very loaded word, um, very offensive to a lot of people word. Um, I'm talking – and so, you know, back out now if you're going to be offended because we're going to be using the word cunt a few times uh, it, it, right here. It is just because it's used within the sketch because basically what happens – Quite a bit. Yes, quite a bit, quite a bit. Basically, uh, David Cross plays a character who – you know that old trope where, oh, I hate that person. I hate Joe Schmo or whatever. He's standing right behind me, isn't he? Mm-hmm. David Cross's character has this superpower when he calls someone a cunt. Like they just instantly appear behind him. And so it, they they set it up kind of interesting. They the, Like the first time uh, they it, – it's just someone that his friend knows or I, maybe his friend's wife or something. And she appears behind him and he's like, she's standing right behind me, isn't she? And yeah, she's right back there. And then, you know, he's sitting at the bar uh, talking to Scott Addison. And uh, he he's like, you know, my mom left me when or gave me up for adoption when I was seven years old. What a cunt! And then <laughs> she appears behind him, and it's a heartfelt reunion. 
Then the FBI shows up and has him use this superpower to find a missing girl. That's what I love about the skit is that it like it plays out exactly like a Mr. Show skit where it leads to its inevitable conclusion and then jumps <laughs> it totally jumps to where it shouldn't have gone to. Yeah, and, and I like I love the touch at the end where you know he he's like I'm not political. I'm not going to help you guys get uh, basically Osama bin Laden. And mm-hmm. then they tell him Osama bin Laden's a, a vegan, and he's like that cunt. <laughs> yeah, that fucking cunt. <laughs> oh, I'm not done with you. Yeah, and it, it it definitely felt like one of those uh, sketches that that they use just as an excuse to use uh, the cunt word a lot. Well, apparently they just <laughs> uh, one of the skits we were talking about the other day on Mister Show the uh, the one with the commercials in it where it's just a bunch of cursing and the commercials constantly. Mm. Apparently they uh, I was listening to the commentary on the DVDs for that skit uh-huh. and. The whole reason they made the skit was because they just wanted to make – they thought it was funny to have commercials with a bunch of cursing in it. Yeah, because I mean I, I, I mean I think a lot of people are desensitized to cursing these days. But back mm-hmm. in the 90s, I mean it, it was pretty risky to use words like fuck or cunt or you know those big four, $5, four-letter words. You know? It's 2015. It's still pretty risky to use the word cunt. I guess, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we should stop. Right. Okay, uh, one sketch actually I, I don't think made it in the notes that we should probably talk about in this episode. I, and it's just because it, it was one of a couple sketches that I just don't have a good reference for. And the other one might have been in this episode too. I think it was. Uh, but uh, the Shark Kitchen uh, sketch, just because I've never really watched uh, competitive food-based reality television, if that's a genre. So it's a it's a genre. Yeah. So it it kind of fell a little flat for me just because I didn't get a lot of the ideas they were referencing. Like I got the basic point of it with the guy who like like that. It's all based. It's not based on skill so much Mm -hmm. as like can we tell a good story with you in the context of this reality TV program? And mm-hmm. the guy realizing what he thought was a really good hook being a single dad is being dashed by like deaf girl down, down at the end and, you know, mm-hmm. hurricane guy. And so he keeps trying to like, you know, find other reasons that for people to root for him and whatnot. But I, I it just, it felt, it felt a little flat to me just cause I, I don't know these sh- competition shows very well or anything. But what did you think of the, the uh, shark? Also, Scott Ackerman was in it from Comedy Bang Bang, which was nice. But what did you think about it? It definitely didn't fall flat to me. Um, I, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> have seen quite a bit of uh, this type of reality TV. And although um, you mentioned that, you know, the cooking thing didn't have as much to do with it. What this was was like a hybrid of every type of judgment reality show like this uh-huh. uh calling it shark kitchen uh so you've got like sh- the shark tank you've got uh mm-hmm. chopped and uh the you know your cooking type shows like that you've yeah. got i mean there's so many different reality shows of people competing with judges you know judging them and mm-hmm. every one of those reality shows is someone's you know gonna use their ten thousand dollars to to help their mother who's been sick for three years and everyone starts crying you know it's i mean that's what it was playing on and so it it took all of the you know it it combined all of the reality shows but what it really was playing on was the whole how you were saying how it it just it seems like everyone there was a kitchen uh 
Nightmare or Kitchen, whatever, Hell's Kitchen, the one with uh, Gordon Ramsay, mm-hmm. there was a season with a blind chef. Oh, really? Yeah, with a blind chef. <laughs> so, I mean, this w- this is definitely something that, like, is almost being parodied by the shows themselves at this point. Yeah, or maybe maybe the situation was the sketch was referencing that very specific thing. Because, I mean... Because yeah, yeah, they- you had the deaf chef. Yeah, they even, he even goes on, you know, my ex-wife is blind. I'm going to make a charity for blind kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah exactly. it might have been uh, referencing that specific thing. But like I said, it just felt, felt a little flat to me because I don't know that world really. So mm-hmm. – but, but one more that was actually in this episode that kind of did the same thing was the downhill uh, skiing documentary sketch oh god i love that skit that it just felt it felt like it was i i i mean i definitely appreciated the attitude of the character no no i hate skiing i just wanted to get it over with but it felt like it was referencing something specific that i didn't get and it was a little frustrating to me as a viewer you know what i don't think i can't think of anything it was referencing quite honestly oh really yeah, I can't think of anything in like just just other than the fact of you know um you know just sports interviews. I can't mm-hmm. think of anything other than that that it was really referencing. Yeah, I'm, maybe there was a particular sports interview mm-hmm. somewhere that some that someone said something similar to this, but with you and I not knowing too much about sports ball things, yeah, yeah, <laughs> may, maybe that is getting lost on us. Yeah, but they, even even if it did, I still love mm-hmm. the skit. Like like the old the old show had so many sketches though that were like this where it, like monsters and megaphone where it was referencing four different things and I felt like mm-hmm. with, with the downhill uh, skier sketch I was missing <clears throat> four of them you know so so it was just a little bit frustrating but I I did love the little touches I loved uh, Bob Odenkirk's character's attitude about the whole thing I loved that uh, Scott Ackerman and Jay Johnson's characters like clink their ashtrays like they were toasting (laughs) each other at the end and Scott Ackerman was smoking the entire time in his mustache a lot of a lot of good mustache work on this show definitely fake mustache work Mm -hmm. and and real mustache work from uh, oh what's his name John Ennis. John Ennis, yeah. And yeah. Paul F. Tompkins, for that matter. Definitely, definitely. I, 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 I was disappointed that we didn't see I, – I, I wish we had seen more of uh, Paul F. Tompkins like warming up the crowd in every episode. I kind of hope that they put out a DVD. Oh, where it's just like the that, live – Well, no, I whole, mean just a DVD of the show in general. Mm-hmm. But then on that DVD set or Blu-ray, whatever, that maybe they'll have, um, you know, some of the, you know, warm-ups and some on-aired skits, maybe even yeah, stuff like that. It looked like they shot most of it, be it from the behind-the-scenes documentary, because they even had like, you know, they had producers running out there while they're filming in front of the live audience and mm-hmm. uh, kind of rewriting the sketch to do again. You know, so I would love to, see, I would just love to see even just one episode, just the entire live experience. Like if you went. There for the night to see the mm-hmm. show being taped what it was like from beginning to end just like the whole thing but i i don't know maybe maybe uh if the producers are listening to the show which they're not you know <laughs> may, maybe keep that in mind for season two of with bob and david okay so i think we're done with episode three i believe so all right all right i and let's this get it over with episode four and this is my real favorite sketch my real real favorite sketch for the entire thing and that is a uh, heaven is totes for real uh, just such a brilliant idea, such a brilliant sketch. Yes. Like, uh, okay. So first of all, if if you don't have context for this, like I didn't with the sports one, uh, heaven, 
Heaven is Real, I think, was the name of the book that came out a few years ago. Basically the same scenario as in the sketch where this little boy has like a near-death experience. He dies for a few minutes. He comes back. He writes this book. Tons of people buy it. It becomes a bestseller about him going to heaven. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, this was a sharp and biting satire about that whole thing, which uses that really fairly recent cultural phenomenon to point out the hypocrisy of the types of religious people who would – kind of buy into this concept and who love the original book to begin with without necessarily attacking their belief system. Like I was talking before, you know, how they, they do a really good job of kind of addressing an issue, being honest about it without really attacking anybody or being mean about it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so uh, I, I really uh, love that his parents and the crowd and everyone are completely with him, uh, with the kid, up to and including the God-loving-everybody idea, mm-hmm. up until the point where he mentions Hitler and John Gacy and, uh, well, John Denver. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, so they, they're into the basic tenet of Christianity, that God loves everybody, uh, that mm-hmm. he's an all-loving God, up until it's uh, proven correct that he does love everybody so much that he'll just bring them all to heaven by default. And, mm-hmm. and at that point, nobody wants to believe it. Because then they'd have to kind of, I kind of, I guess, look and look at themselves a little bit. So they they just completely turn on the kid, and they they say he's painting God like a God, like God is an all forgiving monster. <laughs> you know, I, I I just loved it, and uh, I loved the end of the sketch where you know the the entire world comes to the point where they'd rather kill the kid than admit their own hypocrisy that. As much as they like the idea of God loving everybody, when they're presented with the reality of it, they're they're not on board. They're mm-hmm. not on board with it. So I, I, I really enjoyed it. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, I I definitely agree with you that this is, if not the, definitely one of the best skits mm-hmm. of this run. Um, the it almost feels like it like this episode's like a thesis statement for this run uh-huh like this this episode felt like it like tied everything together for me mm-hmm. but i mean you kind of hit everything as uh, on the head as far as the skit i mean i'm not a very religious person but i d- i did grow up with you know in a religious not not religious but you know semi-religious i guess uh environment uh-huh. and and so just because I'm not religious doesn't mean that I'm not familiar with it and uh, that I'm not, you know, I, I, I read the Bible. I grew up believing mm-hmm. some things and whatnot. And, um, yeah, this thing just hit the nail on the head as far as, like you were saying, the hypocrisy of mm-hmm. not only religion but specifically Christianity. Yeah, and I, and I mean I don't think either of us are saying like all Christians or anything, but there's a specific uh, the form sect- of Christianity. Yeah, that is like this. That is like this. And, I, I, I totally agree. And and uh, yeah, and I, I I wouldn't even identify any of the. Uh, it, just, just to be clear, I, I I know there there are a few of our listeners who are very proud Christians, and I I don't think they're this type of Christian at all. Yeah, yeah, so, I'm not trying to if paint you think with it, a broad brush here at all. Yeah, if you if I if you think I know enough about you to be talking specifically about you, I'm not talking specifically about you. <laughs> Just to be clear, just to be clear. Uh, but yeah, I, I really loved – I also loved uh, – one little touch I really liked was I, – I think it was Paul F. Tompkins as being like, 
okay, so what we do is to uh, when he's talking, he's a doctor talking about killing the kid, and he's like, okay, what we'll do is we'll ice his heart, which will, and then he does air quotes, kill him, and then he's like, why did I do the air quotes? No, he'll die. <laughs> yeah, he will die. He'll he'll die. <laughs> I, I also really love the idea of a world that would be willing to pass a special law to kill a kid instead of like facing up to their own shit. I good. Great, and I thought great. the kid did a really good job too. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and I, I, this was a, one of those sketches that had had uh, a line from the trailer, like they hold up the book and heaven is totes for real. And so I knew it was coming, and I was like, I hope it's as good as it sounds like it's going to be. And it was exactly as good as it sounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that uh, in this episode though that fell a little flat for me was the uh, the salesman uh, documentary. Uh, just because I, I, I mean, it, it, it was kind of a, it kind kind of ended on a, a down note almost, kind of just like a melancholy note, which I thought was kind of weird. But I, I did love uh, the the eating the fly at the end off of the steak, and I, I also, I also love their documentary parodies in general. Like, I, and I mean, it, it put me in mind of the one that with the talent scout that was going around to find kids uh, to play on college basketball teams, like like three or four year old kids uh, that they did on the original series, which also ended on kind of a melancholy note. So it, I, I just uh, I, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed it, but I, it wasn't as laugh out loud funny as a lot of the rest of the episode to me. Did you like that one at all, Bob? I actually really liked it, um, but uh, almost more so for. Um, like I thought there were funny moments in that, but mm-hmm. I just liked it more as like almost as a short film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I also liked it in the context of the episode itself because uh, in the epi- in the skit we were talking about earlier, it was totally showing the hypocrisy of Christianity and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then in the salesman skit, of course, you totally thought the book they were selling was going to be the Bible. Yeah. And then it t- turned out to be the Koran. Mm-hmm. And so it's still showing the hypocrisy of not only Christianity, but just people's thoughts on religion and whatnot. You know, I also – it also kind of uh, spoke to the hypocrisy of the uh, Bob Odenkirk salesman character because he – the entire – uh, skit, skit. He's talking about how he needs to make a sale, and it's all about getting out there and pounding the pavement. And eventually, you'll do it. And then you find out at the end that he's never made a sale, and it's pretty obvious. It's because anytime he's almost been ready to make a sale, he sabotaged himself because he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> See, I didn't get that at all. What I got is that whenever he, like you were just saying, whenever it came time to make the sale, mm-hmm. uh, it was the Quran. <laughs> Oh, like and, and oh, so did every- you think he didn't want to sell the Quran or no? That like okay. everyone shot him down. Oh, okay. have you ever been a door to door salesman? I, I've done door to door stuff, but not okay. a salesman. I've done like chair, like uh, collecting t- charity donations and stuff like that. One of my first jobs when I was really you know, when I was younger was like selling door to door newspaper subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's definitely a job that can beat you down when you're told no over and over and over again. Yeah. And to where like, you know, like this character, when he's finally told, yes, he doesn't even know what to do. Mm -hmm. He's just so used to the response. Like he's, he, when he's talking to the guy saying, yeah, but it's probably too expensive for you. He's, he's naming off lists of excuses he's heard from thousands of people before over the years. Oh, okay. Yeah. He know he already knows what the line's going to be. So he's, he's dealing on assumptions. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. Like, uh, I, like I said, it was, it was a good sketch, but it just like, it, it almost, uh, 
Well, it might have been because uh, the first time I saw it was when we were doing the live tweeting. And at that point, I was pretty tired because <laughs> it had been going <laughs> almost two hours at that point. And so right. I, I, it might have been just been – it might have been just too low energy for me at that point. And maybe it that's – It definitely uh, brought the pace down. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But like I said, I, I didn't think it was bad. It's just uh, a little less energy uh, than the rest of the episode. I, I also did really love the older salesman who is basically admitting to selling heroin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Oh, you know, something else I really liked in this episode, too, and it's not in my notes or anything, but we, I, I, I enjoyed sort of and I felt like it was sort of a parody of uh, the family guy type of referential Humor like referencing as the joke kind of humor was the uh, Star Wars Seinfeld uh, bit that uh, Bob did on stage Mm -hmm. uh, where it was basically he would just uh, he would make up like a parody Star Wars parody character name, which mashed up like a, oh, what was it? A Darth Kramer and, you know, all this stuff. Nubaka. Yeah. And then he would he would just he would just like say a couple like flimsy bits from Seinfeld. And it, which, by the way, wasn't Bob Odenkirk on Seinfeld? Possibly. It's quite a. I mean, there's at this point, I don't know how many if there were many people that weren't on that show. To be honest, Brian Cranston was on there. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. But I definitely, I definitely felt. Yeah, he was on Seinfeld. Um, but I, I definitely felt like it was them kind of jabbing at that that new form of comedy that's become very popular since they went off the air. That that just reference reference as the joke instead of coming up with a, a clever way to do a reference mm-hmm. uh you, you know it was just uh just saying it and that's the joke like uh you know they, there's a i i mean i guess there's a time and a place for that but i for, for me personally i don't really get a lot of laughs off of just recognizing something i or recognizing a reference it has to be there has to be some thought behind the joke associated with like the joke can't stop at the reference for me i understand what you're saying yeah yeah so i i, I thought that was a really good uh kind of a uh, kind of jab at them and i i really feel like that's what it was uh okay, okay uh bob anything else i i do have one final thought on this episode but i, I want to give you a chance to uh chime in there um, some of the other sketches from this one how you, you have a thing all the time on legends of gotham with uh eye things oh yeah um like I don't really have an issue with any kind of stuff like that. The only problem I've ever had is with uh, maggots. Uh-huh. I can't stand maggots. I hate maggots. Um, I think it was the fly that did it for me. <laughs> oh, they, the fly kind of turned your stomach. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So like when at the end of the skit when he was cutting up, up that fly. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> like I like I said, that's how you probably feel when like someone's about to get stabbed in the eye or something. Oh yeah, yeah, I I hate hate eye stuff. What did you think of the 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 actual um uh what was it the the mom's framing sketch uh with with the uh, David Cross's brother like the Rastafarian brother and everything? It I think that speak was trying to speak to uh the millennial generation, I guess. Mm-hmm. About how like um every you know like oh I've got two perfect kids and one of them was you know like uh, oh oh uh, what was the one the one lady said something about I have two race car drivers or, or one of them was like actual race car driver and the other one was like a police chase yeah and then the other one was uh it, it was a, a surgeon and then an aromatherapist 
Although that the transition from that was awesome. Oh yeah, that one and the interrogation scene. I really love that where they would just have like a character walking through the scene and you'd see like a door with a words on the it. The name of the sketch, yeah. Yeah, the name of the sketch on it. Those were really fun. But, like, just the way the chick was, you know, if you don't have three CCs or whatever for me, I'm going to break both your legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because it's just, like, the nice juxtaposition of it's really a hippy-dippy thing. She's like, uh, Moonflower, (laughs) you know, get your goddamn ass over here. Yeah. (laughs) I I love that. I love that. I also really liked uh, David Cross's brother in that sketch just because i especially when i lived in la mm-hmm. I, I knew a lot of guys like that who wanted to break into the biz but they weren't willing to put any amount of work into it and uh it, i i know that type so well you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just kind of like that uh i wonder if that was actually their moms i don't know i i know that they they did a sketch on back on mr show that involved that involved a similar setup where their moms came to see the show Mm-hmm. So I don't know if if it wasn't their actual moms, maybe it was those same actresses. I can't remember off the top of my head though. Like it, it's it's been a while since I've seen that one. Right. But it would be funny if it was the same actresses who played their moms back at the, the very day. least. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. But uh, then again, uh, I don't know. They're so old. I wonder if their moms are still kicking. You know. I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe. They're- they're they pushing look- fifty, aren't they? Yeah, but that means their moms would only be pushing seventy, maybe eighty. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's not that bad nowadays. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, speaking of old people, though, I am, I, yeah, a lot of old people die. I, I really loved Heaven at all, the end of the episode. Most old people die. Most eventually, eventually, <laughs> all old people die eventually. I, 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 I love, but I love the the flash of Heaven at the end with John Wayne Gacy and Hitler playing croquet yes, yes. or cricket. But why was Cher there? I had the same thought. I had the same thought. But um, that's what really brought. I mean, and I feel like the closing of that with like the um the voice of god you know be, you know i'm an, i'm an amazing mom is that god saying it was that was that them saying god is a female or is god just all you know like pansexual you know what i'm saying i i i think i think it was just basically just tying tying it in together that uh you know the the way the moms were treating uh their kids at the beginning of the episode is very much how god is supposed to treat everybody yes Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like uh, that, that everybody gets a trophy sort of mentality like you were talking about. Definitely. But, but I, I, I really loved it. It just, just kind of felt like a nice thematic cap, too. Wow. And, and, and that's what I'm like. The more I watch and think about, especially this fourth episode, the more I get out of it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Like, and, and not just laughs, but messages. It, it definitely felt like the strongest one of the bunch, mm-hmm. like uh, from, from front to back, even with the salesman sketch, uh, you know, which I, I had some some issues with. I, I, I really felt like it, it was just the strongest of the bunch. I'm trying to remember uh, what some of the other sketches were. Here. I'm looking at my notes just because of feel, the fourth episode. Yeah, of the fourth episode. Um, no, because I, I really, I guess, you know, the salesman sketch played for a while. The uh, heaven is totes for reals played for a while. The mom thing played for a while, too. So mm-hmm. I, I, I guess that was about it. But yeah, just a great episode. Just a, a great episode overall and, and a great series overall. We, what we're say, You want to give us some final thoughts, Bobby, about the series as a whole? What do you think? Um, the third episode was probably my favorite if I was just going at it from like a, a skit. You know, just like, oh, this is what made me laugh. 
but especially the more we talk about it and the more I think about it, it was definitely the fourth episode that, like we've said, kind of just like had the best best thematic uh, um, tie to to everything. And not only just for this episode, but like I said, felt like almost like the thesis statement of this show and gen- of the, this uh, run of the show in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just loved, I really loved everything they've done with this. With this, um, like I said before, it, it almost feels like condensed and concentrated and just like the best of the best. Um, and I know in the they've made the rounds recently in interviews saying that this really isn't Mr. Show. They've almost kind of went out of their way, it feels like. And I don't know if that has yeah. anything to do with like their relationship with HBO at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, but, it, it didn't it never felt like they were really worried about getting in trouble with HBO, though. Like, it, no, you know, I don't I don't know. It just felt like they were distancing. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think they were trying to say like, you know, like, oh, HBO, please don't sue us. Mm-hmm. But it just it just definitely felt like um, they were trying to be like, this isn't Mr. Show. But mm-hmm. for all them saying that, I mean, this definitely didn't feel it felt like an evolution of Mr. Show. Definitely. Definitely. It, um, it's been like 16 years. What? Right. Since they were together. Yeah. I, well, they did the uh, the Hooray for America live tour uh back in like 2002 or 2003 but yeah mm-hmm. it's it's basically been that long yeah i'm sure there's been some maybe some live readings and different things like that mm-hmm. but this is the first time there's been real like new material and whatnot from what i understand yeah i actually i i will say uh because they came out with a uh a book slash audiobook like last year or something where they did a lot of unproduced Mr. Show stuff. And I, I got, I listened to the audiobook and they had the entire original cast back to play all the characters on the audiobook. And it, it didn't really hold my attention very well. So I, I was a little worried, uh, because of that. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think, I think it all came out okay. Like if, if, like you said, you know, it feels exactly like they stepped out of a time machine uh, like <laughs> right, in the first right. episode. And I, I love seeing the old faces with some new voices added. They 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 brought everyone back. I, they should have while bringing in new people who are who they are today because of Mr. Show and because mm-hmm. of Mr. Show's influence. And I, I really like I said, I really love the behind the scenes, too, because it was. It was really cool just to see how they they wrote and performed all these sketches. And I I really hope they're going to do more. I can't wait for them to do more if Mm -hmm. they're going to do it. Okay, so so Bobby, on the fan cast, on greetings uh, from Storybrooke and Legends of Gotham, we usually end with uh, an arbitrary scale. So I'm going to ask you, out of 32 David Cross head teeth, how many David Cross head teeth do you give this episode? I'm going to give him like an extra row of teeth. So like... (laughs) 47 something like that i mean that he's got like a weird shark mouth going on Mm -hmm. because like this like i said earlier in the episode i I had high expectations for this and uh i with the exception of maybe one skit honestly and even that's just like breaching i felt like i was totally impressed by everything they did with every episode of this yeah, it, it it was it was solid solid from soup to nuts. Like I absolutely loved it. If if I had to pick an arbitrary scale, I I would probably give it more than you just because I feel like I have to top you. So like fifty David Cross head <laughs> teeth and one to grow on. No, it was just so great. My one disappointment is that it was only. I, I mean, I we talked about you know the concentration, the the focus that the four episodes allowed them to have. I just wish there was more. I wish I could I could turn the stream off here in a couple minutes and go out here and watch another four new episodes. 
But isn't that what you okay? Now that's just that's the um, I hate binge watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we had to do it because that's what you have to do nowadays. Yeah, especially when you're when you're trying to review something or talk about something and still be relative or re, or uh, re, not relative relevant. relevant. Thank you, God. <laughs> But um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, that's because that's because this has been a big three night experience. We started Thursday night with the Mister Show show. Mm-hmm. Then last night the binge watching, the tweeting. Tonight with Bob and David, with Bobby and Bill. I think we've done good work here, Bobby. What 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 I was trying to say is now trying now putting that train back on track is what what can what better thing can you say than like you want more exactly you know of course you know that's what they want you to do is they want to leave you wanting more and they definitely did that definitely and I I hope we can we can have some more sooner rather than later like I I'd assume it, as long as uh well actually Netflix doesn't share their numbers with their creators but if Netflix feels that it's worth doing more. I'd hope that maybe maybe this time next year they'll do some some new ones and maybe we can come back again and talk about it then. That would be great. Uh, I feel weird because normally at this point of the episode I would be like, you know, write us here and we'll be back at this time. But we're not going to be back. Uh, at like, some point, maybe eventually you'll be back with someone else or maybe even me talking some other subject. Yes, th- that's very true. This is all going to go out on the Universe Box feed, which is going to be just a bunch of random crap now. I, all stories set to a theme, of course. Uh, I think actually if if you're listening to this I, soon after we post it on the feed, I think the next thing that will be coming out, we did a double date uh, special uh, with our listener Liz and her boyfriend that we'll be putting out on this feed. And then we're going to start uh, putting out some of the commentaries that we've done for our patrons on this feed too, uh, in the interim. And, uh, obviously, uh, you know, if you guys want to hear us talk about something new, like a movie or a, a new Netflix series or something like that, definitely shoot us an email universeboxshow at gmail.com. Let us know uh, what you'd like to hear on this feed. Cause right now it's just going to be, this is the, the hardcore of the hardcore feed. If you, if you like what me and Amory do and what, uh, our listeners bring to it, this is where we're going to be showcasing that. So, you know, uh, definitely uh, give us some ideas if you want to. And I, I guess that does it uh, for now. So I, I guess the way we'll end this, because I'm having a really hard time figuring out a way to end it. We'll play you, the... Oh, go ahead, Bobby. Uh, do you want me to tell them where to find me or you got, you know... You know what? I was just thinking that. So, yeah, why don't you... Because you guys know where to find me at. Bill Meeks at Universe underscore Box, all that kind of stuff. But, Bobby, where can people find you online? Um, uh, Like... You were mentioned before. I'm a loyal listener. I'm calling in on every podcast you guys do just about leaving voicemails and whatnot. But uh, you can also find me on Twitter at InevitableHawk, H-A-W-K-E. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with this new setup I have, I might be producing content of my own. So maybe stay tuned for that in the future. If, maybe, you know, t- Bill, just give me a few kicks, swift kicks in the ass if I don't get on that. <laughs> I, I will. I, I'll definitely do that. And like, like, I, like I've told you off air, anything we can do to help you with, uh, you know, hosting or pushing your content out, we definitely will do promotion, all that kind of stuff. I expect great things from Bobby Hawk, guys. <laughs> and you guys better hold hold his feet to the fire too now that you know how to get a hold of him okay <laughs> so i guess we'll go ahead and end with that really weird trippy video thing that i made uh, that we played at the top of the episode so uh talk to you guys later bye universe thanks for having me bill it's your mind we're changing 
Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe Box. Weird, 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 weird video, weird video, and it's over. Do not adjust your computer screen. It's your mind we're changing. Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe box.